0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight I'm sort of pulling double duty because, like I said, Pastor Dave uh, had his little thing. But he'll be fine, he'll be fine, and he'll be back with us shortly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it was just a, it was a, a pretty crazy sequence of events because, uh, I woke up yesterday morning and I was looking at my church schedule for the week and it said that I was actually scheduled to be up uh helping in the children's class uh, th- uh tonight and uh about once a quarter they like for me to go help in the children's class and I still <laughs> I still haven't quite figured out why because most children are frightened of me I don't know if it's the beard or what but they always insist uh, that I go be in the children's class once a quarter. And so I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to pretty much have tomorrow night off. All I have to do is just make sure that the kids don't wrestle too much and mess up the classroom too much and make sure that we get through the service. And then as I'm preparing myself for that, like five minutes later, uh, I get a call from uh, Pastor Katie saying, uh, you might want to start getting a message ready because uh, Pastor Dave may not be there tomorrow night. And so uh I started thinking about it and I started jotting down my thoughts. Um, but what ended up happening was because my mind was set on children's church, uh what we're going to get tonight is a children's church sermon. <laughs> so uh, so uh we will do our best to make do with this. Uh so tonight we are going to teach on Jesus others and you, and, uh, I have, uh, the drawing I was going to use for Children's Church up there. So you still get the, uh, and I think, I, Julie, did you remember to hand out the coloring sheets after class? Just kidding. Um, but uh, let me say a quick prayer and then we will, uh, get on with the sermon. Uh, Father God, in Jesus' name, I just ask that you'd, uh, help us to have fun tonight, Lord God, but most importantly to Learn these truths from your word, and they're true whether we're uh, five years old and in class or whether we're 55 years old out here sitting in the adult service or anywhere in between or even beyond, Lord God. Uh, your word is still true, and your word never returns void. So I just ask that you'd help me to speak the words. You would have me to speak tonight, Lord God. And ultimately, uh, you get all the honor, glory, and praise out of everything that goes on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh... The other day, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, to one of my friends, and they were talking to me about how uh, recently life has just seemed like it's been a slog for them, like it's just been super difficult, and uh, they don't have any health issues. They don't have any money or job issues, no family issues, but life was just feeling blah. Um, and as I was talking to this person, I was actually reminded – uh, of the scripture, and I put part of it on the screen there. It's Nehemiah uh, 8.10. And coincidentally, uh, if you follow along, does anybody follow along with our scripture reading we put on the website and on Facebook? Amen. Uh, coincidentally, this is one of our scriptures that we read this month. It's Nehemiah 8.10, and it says, um, it says there, Don't be uh, dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, According to this scripture, when you, uh, joy is equivalent to strength. Joy equals strength. So as I was talking to this person, I was thinking, well, well, how do we get joy? And that's where the children's church lesson comes in. This is something that I myself learned when I was back in children's church quite a few years ago. Uh, so the way that we get joy, true joy, is Jesus, others and then yourself and if you get those things out of order that's where you start to lose your joy and coincidentally you start to lose your strength and that's when you start feeling blah for no reason that's when you start uh just having no strength so i want to talk just for a few minutes tonight about these these simple basic topics uh the first thing is that you really do need to love jesus That's the most important thing that any of us can do. Uh, If you want, flip over to Matthew uh, chapter 22, Matthew 22, and we'll take a look at this. And uh, I also have it on the screen there if you want to follow along up there. Like some of you are still turning, so I'm glad that people are still bringing their Bibles to churches in this day and age. I'll admit that sometimes I I am lazy and use them on my phone, but it's good a lot of times to see the Word in front of you in your own Bible. Then you can mark it with a a highlighter or whatever and then remember it where it was later when you get home when you need it for your own life. Um, But let's go ahead and read that. It's uh, uh, Matthew 22, verses 37 and uh, 38. Uh, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So it says here that the most important commandment out of everything is that you have to love God above all else. And if Jesus is not your first love, your first priority, you can never really truly have full joy in your life. And so uh, everything I'm going to talk about tonight is going to be based on this premise that you love God and have received his salvation. Because the Bible also tells us um, that there is joy in your salvation. Uh, I, there, you can look all over the Bible. But one I found was uh, Psalm chapter 35 uh, and verse 9. And uh, it says, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord it shall rejoice in his salvation so there's joy in, in having loving the Lord and in having that salvation and if you don't have Jesus I don't care how happy you might feel or seem at the moment or how great life might seem at the moment you're never going to truly truly have full and complete joy and, uh, in fact, if any of you don't know Jesus or want to know Jesus, come see me after service. Come see, uh, any of the pastors or staff or, well, in fact, I guess I'm the only pastor here tonight because Pastor and Mrs. P are on vacation and Pastor Dave is in the hospital. But come see me after service or honestly, we are full, a church full of believers who know the word and are on fire for God. You could probably come to anybody in here and ask them and they will lead you to Jesus if you don't know Jesus. So, what we're going to do is I'm just going to assume that we all love Jesus. And with that assumption, let's move on to my main point tonight that I want to make. And it's that to truly have joy, you need to love others. You have to love others. And this is the one, a lot, and you know, a lot of times we say we love the Lord, but we get thrown off on our loving others. Um, I think a lot of times we think, you know, that the 12 disciples were just always super holy and they spent all their time praying and fasting and reading the Bible and just hanging out with Jesus. But uh, actually scripture, scripture shows us time and time again, that half the time they were just complete opposite. They were just completely selfish and focused completely on themselves. In fact, one of their most common uh, arguments was they would constantly argue over who was the best disciple. Uh and uh let's just kind of just track along with me here for a minute. They kind of uh Matthew chapter 18, they kind of started they start out kind of a little bit subtle about it. Uh, uh I'll read it to us. It says um, about that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I was thinking about this. I don't know what they were expecting. I, were they like expecting like a, a top twelve list of the best disciples? Like, you know, let's put Judas at number twelve because he's the worst, and then we'll work our way up, and then we'll, we'll see who it is between Peter, James, and John. Those always seem to be the Lord's favorites. I don't. I don't they were looking for him, I guess, to tell them who was going to be the best disciple. Um, but this is what Jesus answered to them. He said, uh, verse two: Jesus called a little child to them, to him, and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never even get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that's pretty much the exact opposite of what they were expecting to hear. But even after that, they just still would flat out not drop it. Uh, Uh, A few chapters later, Mark uh, Mark chapter 9. And at this point, they're not even pretending anymore. At this point, it gets into a full-out argument. Uh, It says, uh, Mark 9, verse 33. It says, they came to to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about back there on the road? It says, but they all kept quiet, because on the way, they had been arguing about who was the greatest. So Jesus says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and be the servant of all. And so there they are going at it again. And uh, I'm going to show you one more example where they did this. But you know what I think I noticed is that uh, when Jesus told them that they have to become like little children, they were confused uh, in the way that they were supposed to become like little children. Uh In fact, uh check this out. I'm sure probably all all of us that have kids, have had our kids kind of, you know, they don't like the answer they get from mom or dad. And so they'll come and ask the other parent to see if they can get a different answer. Uh in fact, my my son who's sitting over here not listening to a word I'm saying on the front row. I think he's coloring or something. We'll pretend that he's listening. But he loves to try to pull this, but he's only six. So he hasn't quite, uh, gotten the technique out, down yet. What he'll do is Julie and I will be like sitting right beside each other on the couch. And he'll come up and be like, hey dad, can, can I have a candy bar for dinner? And I'll be like, no, of course you can't have a candy bar for dinner. And so then what he'll do is he'll turn to Julie six inches away from me. Mom, can I have a candy bar for dinner? I'm like, son, you shouldn't be pitting us against each other, but if you're gonna try that, work on your technique, at least like wait till like I walk away or something. You, It's not gonna work if we're sitting, and it's a good thing he's not listening because he'd be honing in his technique. But, uh, if you check this out, the disciples, uh, were actually not above using a similar technique themselves and trying to get Jesus to admit that one of them was better than the other ones. Check this out. Um, uh, Matthew chapter twenty uh and verse twenty. Uh, and so what they did uh is they they didn't like the answer they kept getting from Jesus. So this time two of the disciples send their mom up to ask Jesus who's the greatest. Watch this. It says, uh Then the mother of James and John the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, In your kingdom, would you please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on the right and the other on your left? Now, we're going to go down to verse 24, but the other disciples saw right through this. They knew right away that it wasn't, This mother just asking on her own. They knew that her sons had put her up to it. Because look at this. Uh, In verse 24, it says, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So they knew it wasn't James and John's mom. They knew James and John put their mother up to it. It says, they were indignant. So at verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And we've all seen this. Most people, they let even the slightest bit of authority go straight to their head. Uh, it's, uh, but uh, Jesus told us, he says, among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we've seen Jesus telling them over and over and over that the most important thing they need to do, and that they're required to do, is to serve. And a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to serve Jesus. But in this verse here, he specifically said that we're required to serve Others, you know, some people, you know, they'll say that, you know, I'm called to serve the Lord, but they only want to serve in certain areas. And usually the people that say they're called to serve the Lord, they always come up to me or Pastor Dave or my dad and they're called to to preach or they're called to get up in front of everybody and sing or or whatever it is. That's usually something that they, you know, want to get up in front of everybody and and whatever their motives are, we won't go into that. But honestly, as I was thinking about this, Jesus said we're supposed to be servant. And one thing about servants is that they don't do what they want to do. They do what they're asked to do. So a true Christian servant doesn't get upset when we tell them, you know what, we've, we've got enough preachers for now. Um, but what we really do need, we do need help uh, cleaning the toilets or maybe stacking the chairs after the men's meeting, that's being a true servant, you know, and there's times for preaching or whatever, but uh, when you're a servant, you do what's asked and not what you necessarily feel like at the moment. And so, you know, I, I, you probably heard us announcing lately, uh, just a side note, you know, how we always need uh, help, uh, you know, and sometimes with cleaning, like, like I just mentioned, or we need help in the children's classes, and maybe you don't feel like, your, you know, your calling in life is to help children. Take me for example. The, the last thing I'm called to do in life is to be the children's pastor. But, <laughs> yeah, people who have seen me around kids. Probably know why. Just, but, uh, but, in, in trying to be a servant, even though it's not my calling, I do something that I don't necessarily want to do, and I'm willing to help out with children, or whatever. I mean, if you come up here during the week, you might catch me helping to clean or something. And that goes for all of us. There's going to be things sometimes that you don't want to do in the kingdom of God. But if you're really going to be a servant of God, then you have to do sometimes things that you don't want to do. So suck it up and go hold babies for an hour on Wednesday nights. It's not it's not that difficult. But anyways, that's, that's beside the point. Uh, back to the disciples here. Um, somewhere along the way... It finally clicked with them uh, what Jesus was saying with them uh, to them. And you know, the disciples always make me laugh because if you read through the Gospels, Jesus would always he was always very plain with them. Like he would tell parables to other people, but he would always come straight out and say to the disciples what he meant. Like you just saw, it. he told them three times that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to be a servant. And he kept telling them over and over and over, and they just didn't get it. Like uh, before he died, he used to constantly tell them, you know. I'm gonna be arrested and, and 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 crucified, but I'll come back to life. and they just they never got it. They never got it till he was actually crucified and rose from the dead. So I don't know why they were so dense, but they finally got this serving thing, and they finally realized uh, how important it was to joy, uh, to having joy in their life, which is what we're talking about tonight. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, eventually they were arrested and beaten for serving Jesus. They were arrested after they had helped the lame man at the gate beautiful. And we won't go into that story tonight, although I could sing you a children's song about that. That some of you may remember from your childhoods. But I won't. I've sang enough tonight. <laughs> but Acts 541, uh, look at how they reacted after getting beaten, after getting their backs beaten. It says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And so at this point, their days of arguing over who was the best disciple are finally uh, behind them. And that's where they started to find their true joy. You see, they've just gotten beaten. They they could not literally have worse circumstances in life. But all they're doing there is they're they're like going around high-fiving each other because they're so excited because they just got beaten for loving Jesus. Uh, and that, you know, that's a side note uh, that Pastor Dave always likes me to point out whenever we uh, teach on joy is that joy and happiness are not necessarily the same thing um, because happiness a lot of times is dependent on your circumstances. And joy, the spiritual fruit of joy is not dependent on your circumstances. You can see, like, with the apostles right here, you know, in the natural, they probably were not that happy because their backs are all bloodied and beaten, but they're so full of joy. It says uh, they were rejoicing and they were just uh, so excited that they were counted worthy to uh, suffer for the name of Jesus. They were full of joy despite their circumstances. Uh, I was thinking about myself uh, last year on my birthday. I went out and got uh, a gigantic birthday burrito. And uh, if there's one thing I really love in life, it is a gigantic birthday burrito. And the thing I like almost as much as a giant birthday burrito uh, is Tres Leches cake. And so uh, on my birthday, I had a giant birthday burrito and polished it off with like three or four slices of Tres Leches cake. And I was feeling feelin pretty happy at the moment. But uh, later on, When I was laying down and not feeling so good because of uh, all of that burrito and all that Tres Leches cake. I was not nearly as happy. And that is because happiness is dependent on your circumstances, how you feel at the moment. But the joy of the Lord is completely dependent of circumstances. So even when I was laying there with the bubble guts and not feeling that great, I still had the joy of the Lord. And Pray for me all because my birthday is coming up in a couple of months that I will learn from my mistakes. We'll see about it. I don't know. Where's, Julie's not in here, so good. Don't tell Julie. Yeah. Oh, she's probably watching, but don't tell her anyways. Uh, but uh, the joy of the Lord is completely independent of circumstances. Um, one way we can see this is that the, the book of Philippians uh, is known as the joy epistle. Uh, because the overriding theme of the book of Philippians is joy. All the, all throughout the book, Paul just is constantly talking about joy, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All that, entire topic of that book is joy. But, if you do a little bit of church history, uh, and research it, you'll find that when Paul was writing the book of Philippians, uh, he was actually in prison the whole time that he was writing it. They had imprisoned him from serving the Lord. And so as he's writing this letter from prison, the only thing that he can think about is joy. Because joy does not depend whether you're in prison or whether you're in a mansion or where you are. You still have the joy of the Lord. Um, and another time Paul was talking about joy was actually uh, he was writing to the church in Galatia. Uh, it's the, uh, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, a couple books before Philippians. Uh, and he noticed that they were missing all of their joy. Uh, check this out in Galatians 4, uh, verse 15. It says, what has happened to all of your joy? If you could have, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. You, or if, you, if you could have torn out your eyes and given them to me, you would have. I can witness to that. So, initially, evidently, they were full of joy. Um, And they were full of joy because they were so focused on helping Paul in his ministry. Somehow, I don't know how they got in their head the idea uh, that plucking out their eyeballs would help Paul's ministry. But they got that idea, and they were totally willing to do that. You You know what I was thinking, though, is if you gave someone else your eyeballs, it would be a lot harder to see your own problems. I was like, where's my rim shot? Just kidding. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll lay off the jokes. I'll lay off the jokes. Just kidding. Um, but uh, he noticed when they quit caring about others is when they lost their joy. And that's what we need to see. When we quit caring about others, that's when we start to lose our joy. But uh, ultimately, Jesus is our example. So let's, let's actually flip over here. Let's flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll give you a second there. We'll see who gets there first, the people with phones or the people with uh, their actual Bibles. Just kidding. Um, Let's go ahead and read that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so you'll see that Jesus was able to endure the torture, the pain of the cross, the the pain and torture of being separated from God, all of this stuff that he really, really, really didn't want to do, because you see right before, and if you know the Bible, right before he was crucified, he was praying and asking God, you know, God, if there's any other way that I can get by without doing this, then get me out of it. But ultimately, the way that Jesus... Was able to endure all of this terrible, terrible punishment, it says, because of the joy awaiting him. And that joy awaiting him was us, you and me, winning us over for him. So by focusing on others, Jesus was able to endure this terrible, terrible, horrible thing. And I am, I for one am glad he did, because where would we be without Jesus? Amen. So in order to have that full joy, you really have to focus on others. But the last thing we want to talk about tonight is you do need to know how to love yourself. Um, let's flip back over to Matthew chapter 22, if you want. Uh, I should have told you. To, I forgot we were going back there. I could have told you to hold your place. Save just some time, but that's all right. Flip back over there. And uh, we'll go right back where we left off. But we read uh, verse 37 earlier and 38. Let's read those again. Um, it says that Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Uh, but earlier we didn't read verse 39. So let's go ahead and read that now. It says a second is equally important. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And we all know the golden rule: you have to love your neighbor as yourself, treat others as you want to be treated. But tonight I want to just focus on a slightly different topic, uh, a different angle on this, if you will. Um, if we're supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, the implication is that we are to love ourselves. You have to learn how to love yourself. We need to start seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. When God uh, looks at us, he sees his dearly loved children that he created in his own image and likeness. We have to learn to, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I was thinking about this. Uh, the other day, Julie was, uh, I guess, in her mind, she was having a bad hair day, which I can never tell. It always I think her hair is always beautiful. And look, and she's not even in here to hear me saying that. So you, you guys can all tell her that afterwards. Tell her that I said, thank you, Norma. Tell her I said her hair was beautiful. But uh, she was sitting there. Uh, she thought she was having a bad hair day. And she starts talking down on herself. And so I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, no one... Talks bad about my wife, including my wife. I did. I, I was up there. I was about to put my foot down. But she said, she'd better I better not do that. Sometimes I do that. If we're having a, a silly argument, I'll stand up there and I'll say, don't make me put my foot down, woman. And I'll stand up like that. I've never actually done it, so I don't know what would happen if I did. But uh, if, that, if that ever comes, uh, you all just pray for me. We'll, we'll take it from there. Um, <laughs> but I said, you know what? I think that God is could probably be the same way. No one should be talking bad about his children, including his children. We need to learn to speak about ourselves the way God sees us. Uh, in fact, uh I'm going to talk uh, for those of you that are coming to the to the marriage. I won't I won't talk too much about it, but I'm going to talk a little bit about how with with ourselves and with our spouses, we need to talk what we want, not what we see. Um, we need to, you know, quit talking negative about ourselves, talk about ourselves the way God sees us. Uh we all know John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But to take it a step further, uh Romans chapter five, um, verse eight uh, it's up there on the screen. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so, God loves us all, but he did. When he was on the cross, it wasn't because we were all here, all perfect and in church, we're singing songs about how much he loves us. He died for us while we were at our worst. And because Jesus died at, for us while we're at our worst, we need to, to love ourselves at our best because that's what He saw. He saw us. He saw what we could have. And so now we need to start loving ourselves and talking about ourselves as our best. God loves us so much more than we can ever know. And we've got to learn to see ourselves the same way that God sees us. So quit talking down on yourself. Talk about how you want to see yourself, or the things you want to see, not the things that you do see. Because uh, uh, something Pastor always says is that uh, faith doesn't deny the facts. Faith changes the facts. So you're going to not sit here and, and speak, you know, you know, just lie to yourself, but you're going to use your faith to change the, what, the, your circumstances, to change. And you're gonna eventually going to just feel that confidence from the Holy Spirit rising up in you, and that boldness, and it's because you're speaking the right things about yourself. Quit speaking negative about yourself. So honestly, um, if you're struggling with feeling weak or, or lacking strength, we need to focus on finding true biblical joy. And uh, we just uh, saw that joy comes from uh, loving Jesus, loving others, and loving yourself. Um, and actually that's about all I have tonight. So, uh, I think I did leave us time to do a little craft afterwards since we're doing our show. (laughs) No, I I forgot the snack. I forgot forgot to bring the snack, but, uh, no, I guess, uh, why don't we go ahead and all stand up if you want to. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.